Kaczynski will be presenting a uh, worship service about Christmas and uh, about just our Savior who was born and just celebrating all that we celebrate during this time of year. Hope that you'll come and you'll take part in that. Uh, this morning I'm going to start my, I guess just a short three-week series on uh, entitled King Jesus. This will be my Christmas series. We're going to look at your typical passages that we usually read and look at around Christmas. You know, Matthew chapter 2 and Luke, the Christmas story in Luke. But I want to begin in an unlikely place today in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to re be reading verses 1 through 17. We're going to look at Jesus' genealogy. I dare say that many of us have never really read that passage uh, at all. Uh, in your quiet times, you probably skip right through it. And uh, unless you were here about three years ago, whenever I preached on this very passage, you might, might not have ever actually heard a sermon on, uh, on this particular thing. Uh, but we're going to look at Jesus' lineage this morning. After all, every king has a lineage. We know that Jesus ultimately, Jesus' heritage, is that he is eternal son of God from eternity past. But at Christmas time, we celebrate how he came to identify with us. And so therefore, he also has an earthly lineage. An earthly lineage. And uh, this earthly lineage, there's, there's some things that, that, that we can learn through this genealogy, through some of the, some of the names that we read in this text. Behind every name is a story. You have a name, and there's a story behind your name and who you are and your identity. And behind every one of these names, there's a story. And obviously, obviously we, can't, we can't get to the story behind every one of those names today. It would take us several weeks to do that. But all of these names put together, they paint a picture, and they themselves tell a story about Jesus and his identity, but also who Jesus includes into his family. Everyone needs a family. This past week, I finished up a series on Christian family. We looked at three weeks Christian parenting, three weeks Christian, Christian marriage. I wonder if I called you to the microphone today, and I said... Tell me about your family. Tell me about some of the people. Tell me about your grandparents, your uncles, your aunts. Tell me about your in-laws. I bet there would be some people that you would want to leave out. I bet, you know, that crazy uncle that you have, you know, twice removed from your distant past or whatever, you would say, I don't, don't, don't really want to tell you. I don't really want to tell you about those people. Let me just, let me just tell you about the good people. Let me tell you about the, the people that maybe you would be proud of. Well, when we look at this genealogy of Jesus today, we see the good and the bad. We see royalty. We see righteous kings that loved Jesus. But we also see some of the most evil kings that ever walked the earth during ancient times, especially some of the most evil kings that ever, uh, that ever led God's people. We see, some, we see some people who were unknown. We see some people who... We would just not expect to see in Jesus' family tree. We would, we would not expect to see uh, some of the people who are incredibly imperfect. Some of the, some of the names in this list are just riddled with, with scandal or obscurity or mystery. 
And there's really three sections of the genealogy. You're going to be able to see them real easily when I go through them. Where there's, there's one section that talks about Jesus' spiritual lineage. And it basically traces Jesus' uh, Jesus's lineage back to Abraham. And then the second section is what I'm just going to call Jesus' royal lineage. And we're going to see how Jesus' lineage, his genealogy goes back to King David. And then the third section is a little mysterious, a little random. I don't really know what to call it. We're just going to call it Jesus' regular lineage. Uh, most of the names in this section we're not going to recognize. They're kind of hard to pronounce, but y'all are going to be patient with me as I do so. Uh, but it basically talks about how Jesus was, uh, was the son uh, of Joseph. And all of them kind of corresponds to a section of history in the Old Testament. Uh, but we'll get there in just a moment. For now, I want to ask you to stand with me as we read this section. I know what some of you are thinking. You're going to read this genealogy, the whole thing? Well, I timed it, and it only takes two minutes. Um, but it is a lot of names. Now, the good news is, if anybody's having kids, you're going to get some, you know, some, some baby names, like Zerubbabel, you know, uh, you know, you know names like that. Um, but I want you to keep in mind as we read these names, it's more than just random names. There's, there's, a, there's a story that is being told here. There is a picture that is being painted for us about Jesus' identity and the types of people that Jesus includes in his family. So let's, let's look at these verses together. Matthew chapter 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And look, he gives these sections. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. If you've read Genesis, you're familiar with, with, with those guys. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Tamar mentions her. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab, Amenadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, y'all know her, if you've read the Old Testament, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Interesting section about uh, Jesus' spiritual lineage traced back to Abraham. Now let's look at the section related to King David. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, which would be Bathsheba. Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz. Ahaz is in the lineage of Jesus? Man, this is getting interesting. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, now he was a good dude, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, not a good dude, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, Amos, the father of Josiah, a very good dude, and Josiah, the father of Jechoniah and his brothers at the time of the deportation of Babylon. Man, that just that paints a picture. We'll get there. Look at this last section. This last section's hard for me. It's got some names that are really difficult, so don't judge me. 
Verse 12, after the deportation of Babylon, Jechaniah was the father of Shelthiel, and Shelthiel the father of Zerubbabel. There's a good baby name. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad, and Abiad, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Eliud, Eliud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. I hope I haven't lost y'all. promise this paints an incredible picture of Jesus' identity and who Jesus includes into his family. Let's pray. Father, we pray, God, that you would just show us wonderful things from your word today. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Quite a list. How many have never read? Now, let's just be honest. How many of you have never read that before until today? Just be honest. I've never really read the whole thing. Uh, some of you are scared to admit it, and you think you've read it just because you've skimmed it. It doesn't count. How many of you have literally gone through and tried to pronounce every name? It can be quite a task. It's really pretty impressive, though, as far as just how, how far it goes back in the lineage of Jesus. Most of you do not know the name of your great-great-grandfather, might not know the name of your great-grandfather. To be able to trace your identity that far back would be quite a task. Um, but this is a list, uh, quite a list. Um, any student of the Old Testament can look at these names and immediately see that some of the most righteous people who have ever lived are in this list, and some of the most unrighteous, immoral, evil people that uh, are named in the Old Testament are also in this list. And uh, some of the most magnificent things that God has ever done on the earth are connected to some of these names. And some of, the most, some of the most condemned things that God has ever said, this is the worst thing ever, uh, are also connected to some of these names. Now, I gave you kind of a breakdown of the, the first and, and second and third sections, spiritual lineage, uh, and this is kind of the outline of my sermon, the spiritual lineage and the royal lineage and then just what I call the regular lineage. Um, but you can also see how they're connected to periods of history in the Old Testament. Uh, that first section, uh, Jesus' spiritual lineage was Abraham to David. That's Genesis 12 through 1 Kings 2. Jesus' royal lineage, David, all the way through to the deportation, 1 Kings 3 to basically the rest of the Old Testament. And then there's this section of history that we call the intertestamental period. And um, that's kind of in the regular lineage. Some of it corresponds to some Old Testament books, but it basically uh, goes up to the, point, uh, to, to the point where Christ was born. First thing we have to notice from this, as far as Jesus' identity and who he was, is that Jesus was the son of Abraham. This is a significant title. This, this outlines the spiritual lineage of Christ uh, all the way back to Abraham. 
Abraham was and is and still is was, was to Jews and is to us an extremely important Old Testament figure. Uh, God made a covenant with Abraham, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll get there in a minute, but basically what this does is, is this traces Jesus' spiritual lineage back to Abraham through Ruth, which is, which is, which is uh, also pretty interesting in and of, in and of itself. Uh, the people mentioned in this section, like I said, behind every name, there's a story. The people mentioned in this section aren't nearly as, as, as curious as the people who are not mentioned in this section. If you, were, if you were Matthew, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, and you were writing to Jewish people, and you were trying to convince people that Jesus has a significant spiritual heritage that legitimizes him as, as the spiritual and rightful ruler and king of God's people. Who would be people in the Old Testament that you would mention? What well, names that come to my mind would be people like Elijah or people like Moses. But we don't see prophets in this list. We don't see people who are, who are connected to the Old Testament law in this, in, in this list. Uh, we just see people that are, are just, uh, just I, I don't know, they're, they're, they're people that we wouldn't normally point to uh, in, the, in, the old, in the Old Testament. Boaz and Ruth, of course, are, are, are pretty well known. But it seems like that Matthew's trying to disconnect Jesus from the Old Testament law because obviously Jesus is going to be a channel of grace. But the reason that Abraham is so important, the reason that the title of Jesus being the son of Abraham is so important is because God made a covenant with Abraham. A covenant is like a, it's like an unbreakable pact that, that God made with people in the Old Testament. God made an unbreakable commitment, an unbreakable pact with a guy named Abraham. And, it, and here's what he said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 through verse 3. He told Abraham, he said, or really we call him Abram at this point. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That is the ethnic Jewish Hebrew nation. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. He says that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's all of us. This is the Christian people group. This is all of us from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue. And so for us, you know, or excuse me, for the Jews, the Jews look at Abraham and they see this covenant that God made and how important it was for them. But you and I, we look at this covenant and we look at what God made to Abraham. And this is not the extent of the full covenant. There's others that, that we could read, uh, that, that other portions of scripture that we could read about this. This is a promise that's made to us. And the Apostle Paul pointed this out in Galatians. Now, this can get pretty complicated. I don't have time to go into all this. But for now, just suffice it to say that the Apostle Paul said this covenant that God made to Abraham was fulfilled in Christ and that it was referring ultimately to all of us. That Christ was the offspring of Abraham 
but yet so are we as we have been included in Christ. So you see the importance of this, of this section of his identity of Jesus being the son of Abraham and him being our spiritual leader as our king. But Jesus also, in the second section, Jesus was the son of David. Now this section is fun. Man, I, I, wish, I, could, I wish I could spend more time here. This is a list of kings. This is a list of kings. This shows how Jesus was the son of kings and being the son of, not just, not just the son of a king, but the son of a certain king, and that is David, King David. God made a covenant, just like he did with Abraham, he made a covenant with David also. And I'll, I'll, I'll get there in, in, in just a minute. But son of David carries with it this title of royalty as well as this messianic type expectation of title that was given to Jesus. David was an extremely important person in the Old Testament. Every single king that came after him was measured against David. They were all measured against him. It was like they either they did walk in the ways of my servant David or they did not walk in the ways of my servant David. Look it up in the Old Testament. Read about these kings. There were 40 something, 42 of them to be exact. Uh, three during the United Monarchy, 20 during uh, the, uh, for, for Judah, 19 for Israel, something like that. They were all measured against David. Were they like David? And so that's because, see, God made a covenant with David that he didn't make with others. And here's the covenant that he made. Uh, he said, um, let's see here, Isaiah chapter 9. There it is. You were ahead of me on that one. He said, on the throne of David and over his kingdom. I, so I don't have time to read all the texts related to how God made a covenant with David. This summarizes it. He basically told David, there will always be a king on the throne that is born of your line. Now, wait a minute now. Hold on. There's not a king in Israel right now. I mean, I've been to Israel. There's no king over there. There was... There wasn't a king in Israel at the time that Matthew was writing. The, I mean, there was a guy named Herod the Great, but he wasn't really, I mean, he wasn't really a king. He, wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't have the kind of lineage that Jesus did. Now, let me back up to the former slide and show you some of the people that are listed in this genealogy. There's some names that will jump out to you. There are names of two people who were really, really awesome, great kings. One is Hezekiah, really great guy. Another one, Josiah. Josiah led the nation by recovering the Word of God into a great revival as they feasted on the Word of God. Jesse is going to get to preach about Josiah on January 7th, and I'm so jealous I'm not going to be here to preach it. I might have to preach it when I come back in case he misses something. But Josiah, awesome, awesome dude. But the rest of these guys, especially, especially two of them, were evil. Um, Ahaz? Ahaz is one of the most evil kings to ever live. And you know who was, you know what, you know the worst name on this list? 
my Wednesday night crowd from a couple of years ago, if you were with me when we went through Kings, who is the worst king on this list? Who is it? Manasseh. God decided to completely destroy the nation of Judah, saying he's going to wipe them like a dish because of Manasseh. And not even Josiah's revival made any difference. God said, it is set in stone, doesn't matter what happens after this, because of Manasseh. And yet you see all these kings, the really, really good ones, the really, really bad ones, and the other ones that are in this list are just kind of, eh. I mean, they're just okay. They were kind of part idolaters, part, you know, worshipers of the Lord. I mean, I think it's safe to say that the earthly kingship failed, failed massively. If you, if, if, if you need ammunition for not putting your trust and your faith as a Christian in any type of earthly elected or monarchy type of leader, all you have to do is study how that just massively failed in the Old Testament when God set it up perfectly. We needed a new king, and we have it in Christ, except his kingship, his kingdom is it's not a kingdom of this world. It's a heavenly kingdom. It's a throne that he occupies. It's a, it, it's a, it's a kingship that he has, but it's, it's not earthly. It, by the way, it will be one day. If you read the book of Revelation, Jesus is going to come for a thousand years and establish his kingdom on this earth before uh, the new heaven and new earth. But uh, that's another story for another day. If all of this in the genealogy doesn't strike you, what's next? What's next is probably my favorite section. Jesus was the son of Joseph. Now, this is where we usually pick up the story of Christmas. Not, not in this section of the genealogy, but with what comes right after it. We normally start off talking about Joseph and Mary. Who? Joseph? Who was, who was Joseph? I, I mean, there's stories behind all, almost all of the names of the first two sections, we could tell a story about almost every single one of them. We know almost every single person in the first two sections. But in this section, we don't know anybody except for Zerubbabel, the, the name that all these young couples are going to name, you know, their, their, all their babies one day. Zerubbabel. And he, he, he was just some random guy. and I mean, he was, he was like a governor in Judea that helped them when they rebuilt the temple. Literally everybody else in this entire list is unknown, and we don't know anything about them. There's nothing special about Joseph. It's not as if Joseph held some high position. It's not as if Joseph was some well-known dude. I mean, we don't know anything about him, but yet Scripture goes into all of this to talk about how, how, how Jesus was the son of Joseph, even though in the very next section of Scripture, the Bible's going to say that Jesus was born of a, of, of a virgin named Mary, now, if you're following that, 
now stick with me here. If, you, if you're following what I'm saying, Matthew has gone to great lengths to show how Jesus is linked to Abraham and how Jesus is linked to David through a guy named Joseph who had absolutely nothing to do with the conception of Jesus. There was not one single blood cell, not one single shred of DNA, not one piece of biology that Joseph contributed to the birth of Jesus Yet all of Jesus' genealogy and all of Jesus' identity and the proof of who he was comes through Joseph. If paternity tests existed back then, Joseph would have failed. And by the way, lest you think in your mind, well, but uh, I mean, Jesus' bloodline came through Mary. You know, we don't have Mary's genealogy. Some people think that we have it in Luke. The problem is the genealogy in Luke says it belongs to Joseph. It's through Joseph, his adopted father, that Jesus' bloodline is traced. Now, I don't know about you, but as an adopted child of God, as someone who has been grafted into God's family, as someone that has been spiritually adopted into God's family, chosen by him, this makes me feel like I too can be a part of God's family. I didn't come from kings. I didn't come from prophets or anything like that. Everyone needs a family, and God is still building a family, but that family is not based upon bloodlines and royalty. That family is based upon faith. We are a family of faith, and if you are in Jesus, these are your people. You're, you are as connected to all of the people in the Old Testament as Jesus was because you are in Christ and because we have a spiritual heritage together with them through faith. And people are still being born into God's family. Do you know that this is not the end of Jesus' genealogy? He's, he, Jesus, although he never physically had children, Jesus is still spiritually bringing offspring. That's what the Bible says. Last week I talked about what it meant to be a child of God. We talked about issues of identity. I hope that this message, looking at Jesus' family, and I hope that this verse and many like it, that talk about how Jesus' family is made up, helps to solidify your identity as a child of God and part of God's family. You see, it says Jesus came to his own, his own ethnic group, his, the people that believed like him, the people that adopted and had his same religion. He came to his own people that lived in his same or a geographical region, but they didn't receive him. But there's other people that did, and all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that's you and that's me, Jesus gave us the right and it's a strong word, the right to become children of God. Which means you're a child of God, not through biology, not because your family is perfect, not because you're perfect, 
but you are been born of God, not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but born of God. What I love about this, both in the genealogy as well as in how God's, uh, uh, God's church is made up, is that flawed people can be included in God's family. Isn't that good news? When I look at myself in the mirror, when I look at some of you sitting out here, I, I think in my mind, flawed people can be just as much a part of God's family as everyone else. I mean, think about even this genealogy. People that are unknown and forgotten and cast aside and flawed and sinful. They're all a part of this genealogy. Look at these four women that are included in the genealogy. By the way, in this particular time period, it, it, it was a very patriarchal type society. To even include women in a genealogy was pretty, pretty far out there to begin with. But to include these women into the genealogy, again, tells us something about how God's family is made up and who can be included in God's family. Do you know that none of these women were even Jewish by blood except Bathsheba? She's the only one, but she, she, married a, she married a Hittite. And every single one of these women, all three of these women, are somehow connected to some type of, of sexual scandal or sexual sin. Rahab, a non-Jewish Canaanite prostitute but yet she's included in God's family. Ruth, she was a Moabite, a descendant of Lot, whose daughters got him drunk and took advantage of him when he was passed out. You can read it in Genesis chapter 19. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, uh, the, the offspring of Moabites were banned from the Lord's assembly. But here you have Ruth, right here included in Jesus' genealogy, and in God's family. And you'll see her in heaven one day. Tamar, an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law, Judah, led to the birth of Perez. And I don't need to tell you about the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. She's not named, but her husband is named. Another scandal. All these folks were in the royal line of Jesus Christ, included in his family. And it seems like, if memory serves me correctly, that Jesus in his ministry, that he often welcomed and interacted with people, male and female, just like this. And when I look and I consider those of us who have come to Christ, who have been included in God's family, are we any better than they were? Are we any better than some of these evil kings that led God's people into idolatry that were also included in this list? We, ha we have in this list so many unrighteous people, unknown people, people that are unexpectedly showing up in this genealogy because God's family, God's family is a mess. It always has been. The Lord knows how to redeem a people for himself, imperfect people, from imperfect places and imperfect backgrounds, just like you and just like me, and he knows how to bring us together and form us into a family. 
See, behind every one of these names is a story. Behind your name, there's a story. And you know what? God knows your name. He knows your name. He that has the name that is above every name, to which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, he knows your name. He knows your story. He knows your flaws. He knows your sin. He knows the family that you grew up in. Grew up in. He knows the family that you are in. He knows the mistakes that you are going to make in life. But yet he has invited you into your family. And many of you are a part of his family regardless of all of that. See, when I look at this genealogy and I see Jesus' identity as related to the people, uh, the, the, the people from his past, it makes me feel good that I too am included. If you're flawed, forgotten, hypocritical, selfish, self-righteous, you can still be included in God's family through repentance and through faith. Like Rahab the prostitute, you can be grafted into God's family tree. If you're an outsider, you can be the exact person that King Jesus is looking for. Like Bathsheba, God sees people who are exploited and abused, and he invites them to be a part of his family. Are you in God's family? Are you a part of the family of God? Are many of, you, many of you right now are saying, praise God, that's me, and I'm so glad that I'm included in God's family. But some of you are sitting here today thinking, I, I've, just, I've never felt worthy. I don't come to church much because I don't feel like I fit in with all of those perfect people in church. Let me tell you something. If all of our names were written in Scripture, and people could study who we were, and our names were included in some genealogy, a lot of us wouldn't, we, would, we wouldn't want that information out there. No, we're not perfect. God's family is not a place for perfect people. The only one perfect among us is Jesus. And he unites us together as one. And maybe you're sitting here thinking today, I want that. I want to be in a family with flawed people. I don't want to keep my flaws. I want to get rid of my flaws. I want God to fix me. And that's what God offers. See, God offered redemption to a lot of these people. Some of the kings in this list, they were rebellious to the end, and they got what they deserved. But some of these people, like the ones that I put on stage, they turned to the Lord, and they repented, and they were grafted in, and, they, and they're, they're part of God's righteous family. They'll be in heaven one day. Maybe you want that to be you. Maybe you want to be a part of God's family today. If you do, you can receive him, just like the scripture that I just read. But all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's stand together. Let's offer prayer to God at this time. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and just kind of not pay any attention to anybody around you. And I want you to offer prayer, and I want you to offer response to the Lord right now. You may think that you're not good enough. You may think that you're flawed. You may think that you've made too many mistakes, that God won't receive you. This genealogy that we just read is proof that God will welcome you into his family. But you have to confess, and you have to repent of your sin. You have to turn away, and you have to receive Christ. For all who received him, 
to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You can have that right today if you will receive and if you will believe in Christ. So would you do that right now? If that's never happened in your life, if you would receive Christ right now, ask Jesus to save you and invite you into his family. If you're already in his family, could you just say a prayer of thankfulness right now? Just say, thank you, God, that you have included me. Thank you, God, even though I was in spend a few moments in prayer, and then we'll sing.